Time for our weekly chat with our friend Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston. We break down everything Patriots with our guy Tom Curran. He is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. Tommy joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Good afternoon, friend. How are you? I am tremendous. How are you guys doing? There we go. We're uh, we're good. We're uh, you know we we talked about the J.C. Jackson situation a little bit to start, Tom, and uh, you know after hearing Matthew Slater yesterday, it definitely adds a uh, a layer of humanity to the uh, situation. I, I I I admittedly this is sort of a difficult question to kind of parse through. Is there any sort of way for us to know that the Patriots would have been aware of everything that would have been going on around J.C. Jackson before acquiring the player? Like, did this creep up? There are a lot of people that are trying to look deeper. Do you have any sort of sense of the J.C. Jackson situation in general? No. I I just, you know, I think that the team knew the player and his level of play prior. Um if they ascribed his difficulties in Los Angeles with the Chargers to just bad play or off-field issues, I, I don't know. Um, but I think you get into a situation where you are, your football team needs assistance at a position, and they made a decision to bring in a player they were familiar with. But with that player, as Bill says, it's a mosaic. There's everything is taken into account when a player joins you and the things that they're dealing with become part of your team in your locker room and the things that may impair their ability to play at their highest level are also going to be involved. So you have to make the decision, okay, are we all right with that? Can we deal with that? And then move on. And depending upon your depth at the position, you might be more willing to do it in some cases rather than others. So, you know, I certainly don't have any intel on what J.C. Jackson's been dealing with. But, you know, when he left here, I think the Patriots made a decision on him then as to what they, how far they wanted to extend themselves. And in bringing them back, they've they've made the same decision. So um, it's, it's tough. Hopefully, you know, with anybody who's struggling with mental health, hopefully they get the support that they need. And if that means stepping away professionally from whatever you're doing, taking a break, taking a sabbatical. You see with Draymond Green in, in the NBA, you know, th- there's emotional maturity involved in these things that people constantly try to, because of the stresses that are visiting upon them, to deal with, whether it be personal, financial. Um, you have to manage that aspect, and it will impact your work performance. So, so Tom, w- with that, do you look at – the uh, Austin, uh, sorry, the Alex Austin situation a little bit differently because I know a lot. Some people had a problem with the way he was told. Now that you have, most everybody has, you know, Matthew Slater talking. You have uh, maybe some more understanding of what he was going through. That there really wasn't a choice in the matter. Well, as Bill said in the post game, if J.C. Jackson blew his ACL in the first play of the game, Alex Austin was going to be out there anyway. So I, you know, the, I don't think that that is Alex Austin being on the field is because he was told he was starting as opposed to coming in somewhere in the first quarter. I don't think that's 
it's kind of a non-starter conversation for me. His uh, performance really shouldn't be impacted by whether or not he was starting the game or coming in on play three. Tom, I know that Fourier and I didn't get to unpack this, but I know that uh, in the locker room after the Chiefs game, Pop Douglas did uh, an interview. In fact, I heard the audio on the Fourier post game uh, where Pop was talking about, yeah, they 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 wanted to shut me down, but I wasn't having it, and it was almost like a comment in passing of the whoa, wait a minute, they were maybe thinking of shutting Pop Douglas down. I found that interesting. I don't know if you heard that comment, caught wind of that comment. What do you make of that, that that Pop kind of sort of let it out there that, well, you know, they're thinking of maybe shutting me down, but I want to play? It's interesting. I think that on one hand it speaks to the competitiveness of Pop Douglas. On the other hand, it speaks to the Patriots, you know, making player safety paramount. He had a head injury. So if they wanted to shut him down, and he was eventually cleared, and they said, even though you're cleared, maybe we want to sit you down anyway here. Um, you know, this goes back to the conversation we've had for more than a decade about teams making decisions to protect their players, but the players have to go along with them. So I don't know enough about that situation as to what he meant by shutting them down. And if he's on the field, he's been cleared. But I wouldn't think that the Patriots certainly were in a position where they're going to overrule any of their training staff and put him out there if they don't want him, excuse me, if he's not cleared to play. So, yeah, on on the Pop Douglas thing, I, I again, sorry. I don't have any intel on that. You keep we're getting some tough ones here. All right, so this is just so here we go. So this is just this is just be your opinion then. You don't have you don't need any intel on this one. The way Bill handled the end of the game, fourth quarter, as far as his urgency, as far as uh, his ability to drive the football down the field, uh, you know, admitting that he could have handled it a little bit differently. Like, what's your take on his approach overall in the fourth quarter? I understand as a football coach where he was coming from up until the final drive where he just put up the white flag and said, all right, we're going to do a sneak to get it off the goal line, then we're just going to run dive and then throw it. and. Well, they did throw it on fourth down. Well, that's what I said, throw it and then throw it again. And, you know, that was putting up the white flag with four minutes left. Once they got pinned, they said, all right, game's over. I do understand the logic that he's using. I don't really agree with it when you're down 17 and you continue to punt on fourth down, but he is an analytical guy and he's probably sitting there not using the analytics, but he's saying to himself, okay, it's fourth and four here. Chances of converting with this group in there, he's going to make this catch. Let's just punt it away. If we can get a three and out, we lose 90 seconds and we get the ball back. And then we can start it over again with four downs and see what happens. So he was trying to extend the game. Basically, that's well, what I, to do. So, I mean, but, okay, so but you don't agree on the approach. I'm trying to figure it out here because I look at it the no, same you're way. you 11. Who cares? You're Just go for it then. Be more aggressive. The fighting. Yeah. Be, yeah. So, the message here. so I, I understand the coaching decision if you're trying to win that game, but the larger picture of where you are, try and compete. Try and get reps. Put it on the players who are out there who should be in that next man up mentality and execute the play. I think it shows a lack of faith in the players and in the offense that says, yeah, you guys, you don't deserve the chance to do this. You're not up to it. And that's, that's a sad admission. 
Well, yeah, that's, I mean, again, I will look at the very last throw that uh, on fourth and four where it was a Rieger on, on the right side. I think it was uh, uh, maybe it was Pop Douglas on the right side. I think so. And they did like a crossing route, and they kind of bumped into each other. It was a horrible play. And then that, to me, tells the tale. Like the one play you have is run to two guys that shouldn't be out there in the first place. I agree. So what, what's your take? Is Bill right in doing it? Well, to me, when I see when I see was he right to do that? So when I when I see these situations with other coaches, they just make a bad situation worse. They do exactly what everybody wants them to do. Hey, throw the ball. What do you have to lose? Well, then it gets sacked, and then it's a strip sack, and then it's a then it's a scoop and score. Then it's an interception. Like bad teams, like constantly just do bad things. So I understand like him not doing it, and I would say, well, I could take a chance. And I'll just throw it up in the air. Someone will go catch it. Nah, it's usually the other team. And then you, and then I think you look worse. So it's almost like I almost feel like he was just trying to save his like reputation in a way where he wasn't, you know, saddled with this massive, embarrassing loss, losing by twenty four points, you know, in the fourth quarter. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and and I agree. But you already look bad. What's looking worse at that point? In for a dime, in for a dollar. Don't you think it, it, it? Don't you think it can? Like it most definitely can get worse if you just keep. You know, like there's losing, and then there's the in way that you lose. Game at that time, in that down seventeen in that game at that time, if you didn't convert that fourth down, and the Kansas City Chiefs went and scored. Who's going to say, well, that was the straw that broke the camel's back? I mean, yeah, it would look worse on the scoreboard, and it would have looked worse if Andy Reid punched it in or if that ball was picked on fourth. That's the real the thing, though, it Tom. That's it. But who, at that it, point, it's it, like what, the horse is out of the barn. Yeah, but the whole Andy Reid having pity on Bill, that's a whole nother thing. Like most coaches, based on what Bill has done to them and what he's done to other teams, would definitely pile on. He's lucky he was playing against Andy Reid, who actually respected him. I think Bill would have probably done the same thing to Andy Reid, any other coach. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, you look at the look at the Joe Gibbs situation back when it was fifty-two to seven against the Redskins, who were at the Red at the time the Redskins yeah. Commanders. Now, yeah. probably shouldn't even utter the na- nickname. You but, can say it because I played um, for the Redskins. I didn't okay, play for the 52 Commanders. Fifty-two to seven. Yeah, and people were lamenting that the Patriots went for it on fourth down inside the ten and scored a touchdown. And I agreed with Belichick's point at the time. You want me to take a field goal? I mean, that's even more humiliating. Oh, let's tack these easy points on. At least give the other team a chance to compete. That's why I looked at all, I have ever since that game, always looked at all fourth down plays at the ends of games as you're giving the other team a chance. Now, if you run what the Raiders did to get to 49 or 56 the other night with a Jacoby Myers option, that's that's pushing it. But I do think that you have to – there's different ways to allow the team to maintain its dignity. Tommy, last thing for you. Any thought, feel, idea – roadmap on how this might end up going the next couple of weeks in terms of the communication between the crafts and bill belichick in preparation for the end of the season could be trade talks things like that does the door get open and conversation start or is this a true black monday situation where bill walks in and then they start to figure it out any feel on that well, that was the most 
interesting and I think alarming part of Ian Rappaport's pushback on whether or not a decision has been made. If the Patriots do dig out, as Rappaport was alleging and change the minds and Bill saves his job, well, then there'll be a conversation at some point. And Ian articulated that it could take a while. Don't expect it to be right away. There'll be an evaluation period. And to me, I look at that as whistling past the graveyard of 2024. You need to get a staff in place. You need to change your mindset. You need to have your new positions in personnel and on the coaching staff filled. You need to have, you know, a beacon that you're moving toward in the next season with a top three pick and the third most cap space in the league. And if you drag it out, you're going to approach, you know, just prolong a situation that needs to be addressed quickly. So that to me was the only indication of a timeline that we've really seen. And I don't think that that timeline shows the level of urgency that is going to ensure that 2024, they can hit the ground running with their new plan. Uh, Interesting stuff from Tom Kern. He'll be with Jones and Mego on Thursday. And then on a very special Christmas Eve edition of WEEI Football Sunday, as, of course, the Patriots will play on Christmas Eve night. Tons of fun. Uh, Tommy, thank you, friend. We'll uh, catch you soon. Thank you. All right, guys, thanks. There we go. There goes Tommy Curran. He is with us on the Harbor One Hotline.